Blog Talk Radio. Change will not come if we wait for some other person or if we wait for some other time. We are the ones we've been waiting for. We cannot continue to rely only on our military in order to achieve the national security objectives that we've set. We've got to have a civilian national security force that's just as powerful, just as strong, just as well-funded. Prices going higher and higher. Ask George Bush's best friend, 
Big oil. Big oil kept U.S. oil reserves in Anwar off limits by paying off the caribou lobby. Big oil. And who conspired to keep new refineries from being built in the U.S.? Big oil. Big oil. And why is Ted Kennedy opposing windmills in Nantucket Sound? Big oil. And who, in 1979, along with the Cardigan Sweater Cartel, made sure that Iran would always be run by unstable lunatics? Big oil. Big oil did all this to make unbelievable profits of nine cents per gallon. So get angry at George Bush and big oil and ignore anything the Democrats have ever done to get us in this mess. Paid for by George Soros and other futures trading friends of Hillary Rodham Clinton.
beautiful old town Alexandria, United States of America, planet Earth, third planet from the sun. Andrew Breitbart is gone. I got the word early this morning. I was in shock. I still am. This was unexpected. In 1969 to 2012, this was unexpected. And all over the country, folks are in shock, even some liberals. Let's uh, let's take a take a listen to some of the Breitbart highlights before we get into the show. for you, you Occupy freaks with your glitter bombs. Bring it on! Bring on the glitter. Everything has changed. Everything has changed in the last few years. Conservatives used to take it, and we're not taking it anymore. Just today... As I was planning one of my stupid, silly, funny tricks, I didn't have to because I got word when I was doing a radio show today that 200 of us went out to the Occupy people to stand toe-to-toe with them to say, we, don't, we, we are here and we're proud to be conservative and we're not going to take your... I didn't say it. I'm on TV right now. I'm a respectful conservative and my mom is watching. It's over. It's over. Right now, my Twitter feed is already calling me a big, fat homosexual. Hello, children at home. No, your dad's not gay. That's how the left rolls. Everybody asks me, why do you retweet? Why do you do that? I can't tell you how many people I admire. And in fact, there's almost no one in the world who I respect more than Hugh Hewitt. And he took me aside the other day and he said, I don't think you should be doing that, Andrew. I don't think you should be doing that. Well, Professor Hewitt, on this issue, I disagree. Because they've held over our heads with contempt the false narrative of their innate tolerance. The least tolerant people you will ever meet in your entire lives. I know it. I live it every single day. And I retweet it to remind them that I know exactly who they are. This next race, over the next year, everybody asked me, by the way, to come here to speak about tolerance I'll get, and uh, unity. I'll get to that a little bit later. Because <laughs> this is my war cry for 2012. You need to join me in this war against the institutional left. This is not your mother's Democratic Party. Duh. (laughs) Duh. John Podesta, George Soros. This is not 
your mother's Democratic Party either. You know whose party it is? Well, just this Sunday, thanks to Tucker Carlson, thank you, Tucker, I had the chance of a lifetime to spend an enchanting evening with Bill Ayers and Bernadine Dorn. A Super Bowl party from hell. People said on Twitter, conservatives, you're palling around with terrorists. I'm like, well, if I'm palling around with terrorists, I'm not the best house guest because I'm still going to destroy everything that they stand for, even though Bill Ayers is the best damned cook I've ever experienced in my entire life. You have no idea how good his succulent ribs were. The butternut squash, uh, the, the carrot with a hint of ginger soup was extraordinary. The white fish. The selections of wine at this dinner, I had dinner with the 1%, my friends, Bill and Bernadine Dorn. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. You were charming. I mean that. You were. But then again, so was Ted Bundy. So it doesn't really mean that much in the whole scheme of things. And I have a thesis about who we're fighting against. This is the hard left. This is, I thought when I graduated from college in 1991, I thought that that ponytail that I left in my humanities class, that silver ponytail, was just going to retire in the shady acres of academia and go on. I had no idea that these people were absolutely serious about the malarkey that they were teaching me, the post-structuralist, politically correct garbage. Unfortunately, in the year 2004, the radical left basically did a coup d'etat of the Democratic Party and basically kicked a person that four years before was called the standard bearer of decency in the Democratic Party, and that was Joe Lieberman. That, that was over. That was the end of the Democratic Party, and after the 2010 election cycle, DLC went under. It's over. There's no such thing as a moderate Democrat. And so what do we get now in Barack Obama? Well, I've got videos, by the way. This election, we're going to vet him. I've got videos. This election, we're going to vet him from his college days to show you Why, to show you why racial division and class warfare are central to what hope and change was sold in 2008. The videos are going to come out. The narrative is going to come out that Barack Obama met a bunch of silver ponytails back in the 1980s, like Bill and Bernadine Dorn, who, equally radical, said one day we're going to have the presidency and the rest of us slept while they plotted and they plotted and they plotted and they oversaw hundreds of millions of dollars in the Annenberg Challenge and they had real money from real capitalists who gave it on to their children and their children's children and then they become communists. We got to work on that. We got to work on that. That's a parenthesis. Barack Obama is a radical. We should not be afraid to say that. Okay? And Barack Obama 
was launched from Bill and Bernadine's salon. I've been there. It became a self-evident truth to me that there's zero chance that this incredible chef did not cook many a meal for Barack Obama. Don't tell me ABC, CBS, and NBC, I don't have the, uh, uh, that I can't posit that theory because it's a self-evident truth. Just like it was a self-evident truth that he was with Jeremiah Wright, and just as it's a self-evident truth that when he was at Harvard, he was advocating for the worst of the worst to join the faculty. Radicals. Radicals at Beirut on the Charles. And, and that is who's in the White House. And that's who's outside right now telling you you don't have a right to be here and who would squelch your free speech just as easily they do at Harvard, Vassar, Yale, Wesleyan. They're a bunch of totalitarian freaks. And they pal around with our friends in the mainstream media. I always thought that the people in the media leaned to the left. I always thought that my neighbors in the media leaned to the left. But when they act like a provost at a politically correct university and tell people to shut up, I don't think that they're no longer can they be called objective journalists. They're playing for the other side. They've been part of demonizing good and decent people. They tried to defeat the Tea Party, and when they failed, just like their desire to create a Rush Limbaugh and it failed at Air America, they want what they can't have, and they try to recreate it. They wanted their Tea Party, and what did they create? They created the Occupy Movement. What is the Occupy Movement, you ask? It's a natural, organic, group of people. You've never seen these people before in your life. Wait a sec. These exact people protested against you at the GOP welcoming committee in 2008, and two of them were arrested for planting Molotov cocktails, for, for uh, trying to use Molotov cocktails against the police. The radicals against the police, the radicals against you, exactly like Occupy, the same exact people. These are the same exact people that organized Camp Casey at Crawford. That was Occupy Crawford. These are the same exact people that went down the highway at the exact time at the end of the summer when Katrina happened. That was Occupy New Orleans. It's the same radicals. They've been in your life since Senator Obama became part of your vocabulary. They are at war with you and they attack you and they throw eggs at you. And guess what? The media looks the other way. You're domestic terrorists, you know. Janet Napolitano warned me about that. Yet when this group emerged, what happened? They exhibited traits that I'll probably get worst person of the year on a certain show. I don't even think that certain show exists anymore, so that's a dated joke. Uh, These people, <laughs> they, they drive me a, a tad mad. Bernadine Dorn, as we ended our Bernadine Dorn, as we ended our dinner, said something very important because she kept talking about the anti-war movement. Another parenthesis. She also said she listens to ESPN's Mike and Mike. End parenthesis. Take that what you will. 
And this is my thesis, that the anti-war movement was never about anti-war. It was a Saul Alinsky community organizing tool to get Barack Obama and the left elected. It went away immediately. And the mainstream media created a narrative called the story of the year, Time Magazine, but they will not tell you the true story of what happened. This is exactly the anti-war movement. How do I know this? If I tell that to ABC, CBS, and NBC, they say, that's a conspiracy theory. It's just a bunch of organic people. There's no organization going on, even though we have the emails to prove it, or the undercover videos of Natasha Leonard from the New York Times orchestrating with the radicals. Oh, that didn't mean anything. It did mean a lot, actually. Bernadine Dorn told me while at our lovely dinner, when I was snarkily pointing out to her, whatever happened to the anti-war movement? And she, she let loose an affirmation of everything I know to be true. She says, well, that's not true. It's more or less that's what Occupy is. That's exactly what it is. The mainstream media refuses to tell you that these are the same shock troops that have been shocking us, pointing their fingers at us, trying to instigate riots with the police. These people are the definition of un-American. So you want a unity speech. You want a unity speech. I'll give you a unity speech. I don't care who our candidate is, and I haven't since the beginning of this. I haven't. Ask not what the candidate can do for you. Ask what you can do for the candidate. And that's what the Tea Party is. We are there to confront them on behalf of our candidate. I will march behind whoever our candidate is, because if we don't, we lose. There are two paths. There are two paths. One is America, and the other one is Occupy. One is America, the other one is Occupy. And I don't care. Along the way, along the way, along the way, and I'm not a candidate, I'm never going to be a candidate, I'm just a goofball from Los Angeles who wears goofy shoes, promised people I would shave, didn't, promised to take a shower, I got too caught up talking to everybody, and here I am, kind of a mess, but kind of excited to be here, because over the last three years, I've realized that the Republican Party and the conservative movement is not what ABC and CBS puts on the screen. They try to portray you in the worst possible light. And when I walk through CPAC or I travel to the United States to meet people in the Tea Party who care, black, white, gay, and straight, anyone that's willing to stand next to me to fight the progressive left, I will be in that bunker. And if you're not in that bunker because you're not satisfied with this candidate, more than shame on you, you're on the other side. Thank you. Thank you. I'm just going to tell you right now, I want to end it on a media bashing note because that will, that will uplift me like a Dion Warwick final rendition. We're watching you to play the race card, MSNBC. We saw how you cynically placed the Reverend Sharpton in a position of absurdist power. 
This is Dadaism, I learned that in college, that they would allow for this guy to have a show. This is Dadaism. It's freaky, it's Andy Kaufman. It doesn't make sense unless you understand what they're doing. This is going to be the dog whistle election cycle. They tested him in 2011, so he and his pal Toure and that punk Tim Jacob Wise and Ed and Maddow can sit there and call everyone who's Caucasian racist. I heard it. I used is instead of are. He's a racist. That's a dog whistle. Ignore it when Congressman Rand does it against Alan West. No more. We're going to go after you. I bought a dog whistle. I bought a dog whistle factory, and I'm giving you dog whistles. And we're going to listen to every word that comes out of your mouth, and we're going to hold you to the same standard that you hold to us, which is an impossible one, and you're going to have a hell of a time in 2012 because America has finally awoken to your Solinsky bullshit tactics, and we're coming to get you. Thank you very much. All right, that was the late, and I do mean great, Andrew Breitbart. You know, I was there when he gave that speech. I uh, up until up until CPAC 2012, I um, I listened and I watched online, like a lot of a lot of you out there, and I enjoyed it, and uh, and I wished that I could be there. You know, just to sit in the crowd and listen to some of the people that I admired for such a long time. Well, finally, this year I got my chance. And uh, I got a chance to meet a lot of people. I I did not get a chance to meet uh, Andrew Breitbart. I did not get a chance to walk up and shake his hand. He was inundated with uh, and surrounded by people uh, before and after uh he gave his um he gave his address but i was there and I got a chance to see him in person and that was uh that was good enough for me i did get a chance to touch ann coulter and i held onto her hand so long that she became visibly uncomfortable <laughs> yeah i love that woman I tell you what, but um, so Andrew's gone. Hopefully, there will be someone to pick up where he left off and to uh, to carry on, because you know what I thought after I began to get over the initial shock of of uh, hearing of his death was, well, what's going to happen to Breitbart? dot com what's going to happen to Breitbart TV was it selfish of me perhaps was it thoughtless no because immediately I thought that there are so few Andrew Breitbarts so very few Andrew Breitbarts there is no other Andrew Breitbart. Let me make sure that I'm being understood. But there are so few like him in a way that we need for our party, the GOP. 
conservatives, Republicans, whatever you decide. There are so few true advocates. I've got my main man, Glenn Beck. But how many like Andrew Breitbart do we have? Not many. He will be missed for a variety of reasons, a plethora, a cornucopia, a whole lot of reasons. <sighs> yeah. So, with that in mind, we're going to take a short break, and then we're going to come back, and then we're going to kick off the rest of the show. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Excellence in Broadcasting presents Liberals of Genius. Liberals of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. President of the United States. You single-handedly managed to choke all the life out of the world's greatest economy in record time. 10% unemployment. No one else could have apologized more, spent more, or built a rat maze healthcare system from hell that only the IRS could love. What were you thinking? Thanks to you, FDR will be known as a conservative. Carter will look presidential, and Joseph Stalin won't seem like such a bad guy. Joe was misunderstood. So crack open a good book, sit on your butt, and help your buddies with a snowball's chance in November. Mr. President's the one we weren't waiting for. Robert Jones Situation Report. The call-in number is 347-884-8500. American citizens in the house. Beer hunter. <laughs> Reactionary. I like that word. I think Sarge is in the house. Evil clown. Blog talk. Alexander Solo. Some of my best friends. 
is is this the most important election of our lifetime? Is this the upcoming election, November 2012, the most important election of our lifetime? If it is, then for conservatives like me, it will have been the first. The first. And I just turned 50 years old in January of this year. Thundercrackers in the house. How many of these elections were vital to you? That you felt that you were on a mission? Other than those of you out there who were on a mission to elect the first so-called black president in American history despite his sketchy record and his communist, socialist, Marxist leanings. America's once exalted position as the unquestioned leader of the free world has been greatly and deliberately eroded. We've seen our president bow and scrape and apologize and apologize and apologize. He has turned the presidency into a doormat. He has shown that he is weak. You know, we learn these lessons. I learned them on the, on the playground. At Shoop School on the south side of Chicago, 111th Street. The John D. Shoop School. There on the playground, I was confronted with a bully or two. I was seven years old or maybe eight. I attempted to reason with the bully. Told him I was sorry. I didn't mean to do whatever the hell it was I did that got him angry. He took that for what it was. I'm ashamed to say. He took it for what it was. Weakness. And he punched me right in the face. My nose was bleeding. Hell, the only reason why he backed off and didn't throw another punch was because he probably didn't want to get blood all over himself. I was rushed in to see a nurse or maybe just a teacher who was acting as a nurse. The next day, the bully wanted another taste because I was weak and I apologized when I should have took my books and slammed them across the forehead, which is what I really wanted to do. But I was scared. So I thought, because I'm scared and I don't want to take these heavy-ass books and bash them across the head, which is really what I should do, I'll, maybe I'll say I'm sorry. Maybe that'll help. Maybe that'll, maybe that'll calm things down if I say I'm sorry. Nope. The next day the bully wanted another taste and he got it. I went home, told my dad what happened. 
Of course, my dad was disgusted and incensed to the point where he wanted to vomit. He said, boy, by apologizing, you just showed him your weakness. He said, this is what I want you to do the next time you're confronted with this situation. Take these books, bind them up with your belt, and I want you to take them and smack them over the head with it. Which is what I was thinking the whole time, see. But I couldn't do it because I was scared. I wanted to apologize my way out of the situation. So the next day at school, I took my books, bound by the belt, and instead of waiting for the bully to challenge me and hit me in the face again, I snuck up on him from behind and smacked him across the back of the head with the books. End of story. Bully started whining. He hit the pavement. I ran like hell. The bully never bothered me again. That's how it goes down. That's how it went down at the John D. Shoup School on 111th Street in Chicago, Illinois. Now, I learned this on the playground. A lot of you learned this, what I, this story on the playground. Apparently, our president didn't learn this simple childhood story on the playground. Where the hell did this guy come from? Did he come from Mars, really? Is he from another planet? You, beer hunter, blog talk king, evil clown, you learn this on the playground. What the hell did Obama learn? He's apologizing to people who would love to see us dead. So now he's a 50-year-old man who's about to learn what he should have learned at 7, 8, 9 years old the hard way. He's going to get smacked in the face. But those pesky old folks over there they can't actually reach President Obama. So they're going to well, they're going to they're going to kill some some US soldiers. And that'll be the smack in the face for Obama because he's embarrassed now because he went around apologizing like a little like a you know the word I want to use. Starts with a B. And it did no good. And we've got dead more dead warriors. Now there are those who will argue that the warriors would have died anyway. And as a result, the United States and the rest of the world are facing the most precarious and potentially dangerous period since the 1930s. Because our president is the word that starts with a P. Barack Obama and his regime have accomplished much of what they set out to do. The transformation of American society and the end of our preeminent status. They have had a singleness of purpose and allegiance first and foremost to a confused and muddled ideology and not this country. When the leadership of a great nation exhibits this trait, 
The consequences can and are often catastrophic. The product of a lifetime of leftist indoctrination. Barack Obama has as the basic foundation of his disorganized and uncertain belief system a conviction that the United States has been the epitome of oppression and arrogance throughout its history, and he's going to set it right. Even if it means a whole bunch of young warriors dying because he's a candy ass. Do you think Vladimir Putin would be apologizing? Do you think he'd apologize? Do you think even that pansy, Nancy boy, uh, 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 dude who's running France right now would even apologize? Nikolai Sarkozy? Do you think even he would apologize? Do you think that Andrew Merkel would apologize? No. Hail to the null. But our little skinny man who is devoid of chest hair, first of all, never trust a grown man who doesn't have any chest hair. Never. Unless he shaves it for Dancing with the Stars or something. And it's going to grow back after the season's over. Other than that, first of all, you don't trust a candy-ass man who rides a bicycle built for two and he wears a dinky little gay helmet. Yes, I said it. Never trust a man who has pictures all over the net of him sucking on a tasty, frosty treat. A real man drinks tequila, some scotch, some Jack Daniels. A, a man who has no hair on his chest, who rides a bicycle built for two, wearing a dorky helmet, is just going to wind up apologizing everywhere he goes for every everything. Take my man Vladimir Putin, though. Riding bareback in 30-degree weather on a horse with a high-powered rifle slung over his shoulder. And a bear's dead carcass strapped to the back of the horse. Is Now, which one of these two guys that I just put out there is going to be the one to whine and apologize? This is what's embarrassing about our country and our president right now. We have a call on the line. Calling you with the C. Robert Jones situation report. Yeah, Doc, sorry. They had to call in tonight, man. You know, hey, man. I, yeah. I, I'm really bummed out All about right. Andrew, man. It's, it's it's really a bummer. He was a real comrade in arms, a real conservative warrior. So it's it came, it, it came as a shock, Sarge. Um, but, you know, the, the big shock for me, aside from his death, which, is, which was a major shock, was that, you know, Andrew Breitbart looked as old as I am. I didn't know that he was as young as he was. Um, yeah. I'm uh, saying he did have a history of heart trouble. Yeah, and I did not know that. And uh, and so when I when I uh, when, when I learned of his actual age, I I uh, 
it just put me even even more into uh, uh, you know a shock. And all over Blog Talk Radio, you know, folks are paying tribute. I'm just glad that he was able to accomplish as much as he did in a relatively short span of time. He will be missed. He is missed. Yeah. But you know the story you related uh, was uh, you related about uh, you know your your encounter with the bully was identical mm-hmm. to mine except for the fact that there were two of them that were whooping on me every day, mm-hmm. and I went to my mother finally after I couldn't take getting whooped anymore without telling somebody. And my mother said, oh, "I'm not gonna tell your father because he come back and whip you from that fighting back." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. she told me I better go back there and do my best even if I get beat. She said, but make sure you fight back. And you know, I said, oh, because she said, you know, I want you to come back here and tell him you didn't at least try to fight back. So I went back out there and I did battle, got whooped. Uh, you know, uh, you know, came back explaining what happened. They took my lunch money again. They whooped me. And well, go back out there and do it again. I kept fighting. Every once in a while, I get some good licks in and split their lip. You know, and they should have left me alone. They knew they were going to be in for a battle every time they came after me. You know, I got whooped every time. Mm-hmm. But it just goes to show. Sometimes you got to be prepared to take a butt whooping. Yeah, and I don't trust anybody who ain't never had a bloody nose, and ain't never had, ain't never scuffed his fist up in a fight. Because I think that's essential for most yeah. men growing up. At some point, you got to be ready to fight. You got to be ready to duke it out and throw down. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. And I think that one would wonder if Barack Obama ever really learned that lesson, given that he has spent so much time apologizing for America and worse, vowing punishment for the young warriors who mistakenly uh, it, it was an era burned the, the burned the Quran why would he want to do that why would the government want to do that i don't know uh it, it's this guy's making all the wrong moves all the time and i'm beginning to agree with you that he is digging his own i don't want to use the word grave he's He's he, he's he, but he's using the shovel. He's digging something, and it's not good for well, him. I, I'm gonna tell you one thing. After today, with uh, Sheriff Apio providing scientific proof that he has presented forged documents in a fraudulent manner to the American public, and let me say it again now, uh, uh, brother brother Doc. Mm-hmm. He provided scientific proof that can be proven via something that liberals hate. You know, real science, not environmental science or mm-hmm. Comrade Shalinko science or the science <laughs> that can't determine when human life begins. Talk yeah. about genuine science that is, in fact, reproducible using the scientific method, something that is a cornerstone of Western civilization for a long time now. And that uh, is indisputable, this man's provided fraudulent, forged documents to the public to verify his providence. Now, the question is, where do we go from here? Uh, there was also some new information that came out during, uh, even, that even I'm not of, and I thought I was more informed of this than ever before. And mm-hmm. when you did mention that, uh, do you see this election as a somewhat of a mission? Man, yeah. I've seen it as a mission ever since 2004 when I saw the prospect of this guy getting elected to the United States Senate, and it forced me to join Alan Keyes' campaign because I could not believe the people of Illinois were about to put this man in this sort of a responsible position. In the United States Senate, I could not believe the people of Illinois are going to allow this. I had to run to join Alan Key's campaign, no matter how hopeless it seemed to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, and by the way, I, I would like to point out that Alan Key just decisively whooped him in the debates. I mean, it's not even close. No, it would never be. Yeah. But the press conference today did expose that, uh, uh, you know, a fact that I, I was unaware of, that this, they, they have sworn affidavits. And a retired government employee who's willing to come forward 
and say, state that he had a conversation with Barack Obama in Bill Ayer's mother's front yard and that Bill Ayer's mother introduced uh, Barack Obama to him as a foreign exchange student who they were assisting in getting educated in the United States. Now, and also, mm-hmm. also that they went looking for INS records of persons entering the country from August 1st to the 9th. They went to the National Archives and asked for assistance. They were all gone from August 1st to the 9th. They weren't there. Anybody who might have come into the country between August 1st and 9th is not recorded in the archive microfilm. Obama's putative claim birth date is what again? August 4th, 1961. All the records from August 1st to August 9th are gone. Imagine that. And, uh, uh, you know, you know uh, they, they also said they had identified pretty much the computer from which the uh, Barack Obama birth certificate document was forged. They're on the verge of identifying a person of interest involved in manufacturing it. Uh, they were almost 100% certain they said they've identified the computer and its location. Now, and Sheriff also, Joe – oh, go on, go on. Yeah, one more thing. Uh, they, they were talking about his selective service card. And the fact that it was forged by cutting a pica stamp that was used in the post office in the 80s for, for, for doing such things, for putting dates on, it was cut in half, turned around, so it would show 08. And, 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 and then one of the investigators got one from the era that was identical to the one from the era from the manufacturer. As even though they don't, manage, they don't sell them anymore, the manufacturer mm-hmm. was able to provide one to the sheriff's department. He was able to reproduce the results that were on Obama's card and point out the other anomalies on the card. So without even referring to the fake Social Security number. Now, Sheriff Joe did this on, on his own, his, his personal uh, – because I'd heard about it, but I hadn't had a chance to follow up today. I'd been extremely busy uh, today, uh, and so I hadn't been able to follow up on it. I did not know uh, know that this was all going down today. Uh, so if you could provide and, more details, I would really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, I'm telling you, he was unequivocal. His experts who were on his cold case box, remember, this essentially didn't cost the citizens of Arizona a dime. He got volunteers for this, retired mm-hmm. law enforcement investigators and officers, police officers, document, uh, exam, uh, document examination experts and so on, and mm-hmm. they did all this work. And to a person, they are unequivocal that this is absolutely his birth certificate of live birth, his selective service documentation is a forgery, no doubt, straight up, period, no equivocations, absolutely, unabashedly, no doubt about it, fake. And now the question is, they, yeah. they are saying that a forgery was committed on the citizens of Maricopa County when Barack Obama alleged that this was a true representation of his providence. And now mm-hmm. they're trying to determine where to go from here because they, he, the sheriff is saying – a forgery was committed on the citizens of Maricopa County. Now, how do I? What do I do with this? Yeah, that's what he's saying here. Now, the state was a state legislator, legislator who appeared in the hearing and said that he is working with other uh, legislators in the Arizona state legislature to come up with legislation to redress this, probably to get him off the ballot. Yeah, but uh, there's no doubt that this legislator was clearly prepared to accept completely Sheriff Joe's findings. And what was really enlightening, I'm telling you, Robert, this is really enlightening, the, 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 the press, the sycophants, the, 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 the fellatio-giving, knee-pad-wearing <laughs> bunch of clowns in the press, who all, they want to know his motivations. They didn't care about the evidence introduced. Yeah. They didn't care about its objective nature. They were only concerned with why was the 
given the fact that uh, uh, Sheriff O'Pyro has all these immigration problems in his county, which, by the way, they don't want him to solve those either. No, but you know, not. given that he's got all of our, why is he focusing on this? Why can't just oh, just two hundred and fifty citizens coming up to him with a complaint about it cause him to act upon it? Why is he doing it? You know, it's unbelievable. It is unbelievable, and I think that's the tack that they'll take. You know, don't these people have something better to do with their time than to expose our fraudulent president? <laughs> He's doing you know, so much. Crazy. You know, these, these so-called investigative reports don't seem to realize that a, if this is true, and it sure seems like it is, there mm-hmm. is no bigger story than a president using forgery, fraud, and deceit. Unless, of course, you're the kind of corrupt, palatial, knee-pad-wearing fool who thinks that it's more <laughs> important to have a president going to give you contraceptives and free abortion on demand. Now, yeah. you think that probably, you know, uh, it, it is more important. Uh, uh, that is more important than is a president who would offer forged documents in an attempt to deceive you. Yeah. That shows how corrupt they are. They're the most corrupt bunch of people, I think, around this situation I've ever seen in my life. Nixon was a saint compared to this guy in every way. Oh, no doubt about it. But So now the question going forward is, what's going to happen next? Is this going to be swept under the rug, buried by the uh, the liberal media? Uh, is it going to be another situation uh, like uh, what we have in uh, Georgia, where I uh, uh, where I have a residence? Well, that's not over yet. And you remember, it's not over. In yeah, Georgia. it's not over. And in yeah. Arizona, they got legislators who now have real ammunition to go back to their fellow legislators. This was only beaten before because that idiot Jan Brewer vetoed it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now that she's had a set to with Obama, she might change her mind this time around if it passes again in the legislature. Now they got far more evidence, and they go to her with this. Maybe they, who knows? Maybe even a veto-proof majority. I don't know. But uh, maybe this time she might not veto it. So if let's just say, uh, for the sake of argument, if we if if they go through with this and he's removed from the ballot in Arizona, is Arizona in play? Will it really matter all that much? Well, uh, Arizona's got a lot of electoral votes. What's it got, 20? Mm, 19 or 20? Okay. All right. It's not as significant. It might even call oh, – no, that ain't going to happen. I was about to say it might call that punk McCain to come up and speak about it. But <laughs> no, that ain't going to happen. But, but, but who knows? Who knows? Who knows? You know, yeah. but, but look, he cannot lose Arizona without uh, that being – they have the potential to start a huge cascade. Yeah, a domino effect. He can't lose any state, really, but much less a – major electoral state like Arizona being off the ballot there. How could he? No doubt. Well, Sarge, we're running out of time. So I w- what I would like to do at this time is ask you, how do you think this is going to play out? Well, right now I'm taking a wait-and-see attitude. I think it will move, move to something in Arizona. The mm-hmm. evidence is all – he made all the evidence he had accumulated available for the press to have and go vet for themselves. So we shall see. I mean, clearly they were worried. All the questions seem to be worry-type questions. They weren't really – they didn't even really challenge the evidence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They none of them made any attempt to challenge the evidence for its veracity. None. It was all about motivation and why are you doing this thing. That yeah. was it. That was the whole – clearly they're worried. So clearly they know that Ohio's got the goods at least in this particular area. I don't know. I tell you what, we're going to be talking about it on the GGT Primetime Conservative Show tonight. I'll be there. I'll be there. Shameless plug, and I did put a link <laughs> to the show in the uh, chat room. 
plug away, my friend. I didn't know that you guys were going to be talking about it tonight. I will be there. I cannot wait. Uh, thanks once again, Sarge, for calling in. I'm going to go ahead and get ready, uh, drink some espresso, whatever I need to do to stay awake. I mean, you know, I'm an old man, and it's hard to stay awake past 10 o'clock nowadays. But, but, but I am going to be there, uh, uh, and so I can't wait. Uh, t- uh, tonight, uh, GGT183. Uh, insane is it insane media now? No, it's uh primetime conservative. Primetime conservative, be there or be square. I like everybody to be there. Evil clown, American citizen, blog talk, solo, uh, reactionary. Let's all get over there. Uh, thanks once again, Sarge. I do appreciate you calling in and, and well, putting it out there for me. Yeah, the as usual. Keep it up. All right, Keep it man. Up. Keep it up. All right, well, we are we we are we are almost out of time, so we're gonna close with. Uh, with uh, with EWF, because that's what it really is all about. I want to thank you all for listening. God bless you. God bless the United States of America. God bless you, Andrew. All right, we're out. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Justin Bieber, and I'm on my way to go surprise some fans.